Welcome back to the Wizards of Ecom podcast. This is episode number 242. My name is Carlos Alvarez and I'll be your host for the show. On today's episode, I have a first time guest, Ben Leonard. Um, ben, you're best known as the founder of Beastgear, which you successfully exited within, if I'm memory serving me here, under four years, That's if right, I remember. Yeah. 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 Welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. While you've have a successful exit under your belt uh, with Beast Gear, social media, us having interacted in the past, uh, is it safe to say you're not living the the retired life? I think you've been very active. Yes, it's safe to say that. I have thumbs in many pies. Um, Talk to me about that. Talk to me about the exit. Like after the exit, you you exit the brand. What have you been up to since your exit? Sure. Exiting was surreal. Um, I it, it left me in a position where I, I could have retired. And that would have been incredibly boring. Of course, there was the transition period in helping the new owners to onboard the brand. And there was a bit of um, that feeling of having given away something that I poured my heart and soul into, you know, my baby. I was very emotionally attached to that brand. I still somewhat am now, probably less so than before. I I even toyed with the idea of going back to my old day job for about two minutes before I came back to my senses. And I decided that I had fallen in love with e-commerce and and discovered my entrepreneurial spark. And I wanted to continue to do that. And part of that was I'm going to build more brands that I'm passionate about because now I have learned so much from the first go around. And I wanted to share my knowledge with others and help others to have the same kind of success that I had. So now I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm building brands. I'm partnering with people on brands. That was a big lesson I learned first time around is don't put all the weight in your own shoulders and, and, and partner with people who fill in the gaps where you're not as strong in your skill set. And I'm providing, you know, I, I now own a service business as well. And, um, it's a busy but fun life, and I think that it would be incredibly boring to uh, to not not have thumbs in so many pies. Yeah, I think I, I think I am incapable of not having my, my thumbs in so many pies, so to speak. Uh, yeah, you, you you touched on a few things. Um, what what was your day job though? By the way, the one you were you considered for a few few minutes to go back to. Yeah, so my background is is quite different. Um, I'm a dolphin nerd by qualification. So I, I grew up uh, in, in rural Scotland uh, on the coast, just north of a, a small city called Aberdeen, which is an oil and gas town. And living in a, in a beautiful part of the country, I became very interested in nature and wildlife and particularly marine life. And so I studied zoology and then my postgrad was ecology, but I still inevitably ended up working in oil and gas. I was the token dolphin hugger in the room that uh, my job was to advise the oil companies on how to stay within the environmental regulations, but also to advise the environmental regulator and how to set the regulations. I was working on both sides of the equation. Um, And I I generally enjoyed it. Um, But I was very aware that I was a small cog in a big machine. And when I, uh, something big happened. I think that uh, this happens to a lot of entrepreneurs. I got quite sick. I, I had a heart problem um, that came up for the third time. And it was clear that I needed to take time off to prevent that becoming chronic rather than acute as it was at the time. And thankfully, I got better. 
And it was during that time off that was a catalyst to take my idea to start a, a fitness brand and, and fitness and training um, is, is a big hobby of mine. And that is how I got into e-commerce. And that is how I discovered that entrepreneurial spark, which had skipped a generation because my grandparents were entrepreneurs and um, I, the, the gene came back out again in me. So, so you don't want to, you, you didn't want to go back to it, it advising uh, on environmental stuff. Uh, I've never heard that before. Like dolphin in Miami, we have the Miami Dolphins football team. Yeah. So that's about the extent of, yeah. of dolphin uh, talk. Yeah, I, I enjoyed what I did, broadly speaking, but I was very aware of being a tiny cog in a big machine, not necessarily able to have that much of an impact. And in the oil and gas industry, especially at the time, it's getting better now, It was there was a lot of box ticking going on. And um, once you discover working for yourself and creating value for yourself and creating value for the world through entrepreneurship, there's really no going back, right? Entrepreneurship isn't for Christmas. And I, I, I knew that I couldn't sit there working for the man. A, I didn't need to, didn't need the money, but also I would probably just end up not doing my job and <laughs> sitting there at the computer coming up with business ideas. Ticking boxes. Yeah, yeah. So, so you didn't go back to your job and, and you said that you decided you wanted to continue you know, selling brands that you're passionate about. I love that word. For me, it's things I'm passionate about or would like to be passionate about. Um, So you wanted to sell things that you were passionate about. And you also wanted to not be greedy with the experiences and the knowledge that that you'd acquired. And you wanted to share this out um, to others. So you started the you started a consulting firm. Can you can you mention the name of the consulting firm? So anybody else that falls in love with you here, they can they can reach out. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I've got two hats. I have my 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 own personal consulting. Um, that's just me, Ben Leonard. Um, BenLeonard.pro if you're interested. And then there's the brokerage, ecom brokers. So when I sold um, my first brand, um, my accountant. Or rather, the, the, the director of the accountancy firm who had looked after my, my business's accounts, Allison, she saved the day when things weren't going too well with the broker I was working with. There was uh, several errors, and one of them could have been catastrophic. And so after she had saved the day and we we managed to tidy everything up and we, we'd gone through the process, it's the classic scratch-your-own-itch thing. We said to each other, well, there's a, a gap here to be filled, a better experience for an e-commerce business owner particularly in the UK, but now we work globally. So we founded Ecom Brokers in 2020. What, what do you feel like with the Ecom, on the Ecom Broker side of thing? Like, how do you feel the people without saying their name who acquired your brand? How do you think mm-hmm. they handled the growth of that brand? Like, do you follow it still? Is it successful? Uh, I'm incredibly uh grateful to them because they changed my life however um it is clear that they and others underestimated how difficult it is to run these businesses there was a sense of arrogance from many of the early aggregators um rather than being e-commerce guys who raised money to buy e-commerce businesses 
they were financial guys who raised money to buy e-commerce businesses. And I think there was a bit of an attitude of, these aren't real businesses. This is just online stuff. This is a game. Lemonade stands. Yeah. We just acquire these businesses at a low low multiple, put them into our portfolio and either sell them on or we'll go public. And we'll we'll be laughing all the way to the bank. And they underestimated that these are real businesses that people work really hard on. And what works so well about them is the, I I call it micro agility, right? The ability of small businesses to be nimble and agile, like a speedboat where the corporates are huge lumbering cruise ships. They didn't, they underestimated the importance of that and they failed to implement what worked so well from the founder in the business in the first place, which is a very long way of saying the guys who bought my business didn't could have done significantly better with the operations of it and i was trying from day one for free to teach them how to do the things that i did and then cross pollinate that learning across their brands now the good news is that many of those guys are finally learning the lessons and trying to improve their operational capability but also that there are newer aggregators who are e-commerce guys first who've gone with the e-commerce shops to prove it and say to private equity, here, we can, we can run this better than the original guys can. Give us the money. And that's really interesting. That is a very a similar story. Um, I recognize after the fact in earlier episodes, I may have said it, but I, I'm, apparently I'm not allowed to say the, 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 the company that purchased uh, my brands. What I can say, just because I can see this roughly on Amazon, is it's de- they're down about 60%. So I, I would, I also offered, you know, myself for free just because I want this baby to live forever, you know, yeah. but um, I, I mirror your, uh, your words there. So that's, that's amazing. So let's talk about brands. So you yep. sold a brand um, and you're starting another one. Um, mm. I know you're, we're doing something very similar and this is like blasphemy in the, in the Amazon world. And that is we're we're going to talk openly uh, about what what brands we're doing. Like we're going to document Absolutely. it. You mentioned it before you're even going to screenshot, screen share. Like we're, we're going to be as transparent <laughs> as possible about what we're doing. Um, there was a period in the beginning where I didn't mention the brand name, which is Fish Doc, because I needed. There's some very real protections that have to be in place yeah. before you could just start saying that. Otherwise, you will have some. I imagine them as some hater in their mom's basement working on a business and then just go out and <laughs> yeah. try to secure, secure your name as a trademark or something like that, you know, but so, so we're, we're not going to mention the specific name yet of, of your new brand. Can you share? Um, I want to do a few things here. Like I wish I had a time machine on this episode. So I, I want to, you mentioned you sell things that you're passionate about or you, you start mm. brands that you're passionate about, right? Without being too personal, you mentioned a heart condition. Yep. I know, I know beast gears in the fitness space. So for yeah. me, like heart, heart condition, fitness, it, it, it's, 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 there's like a collision in my brain yeah. going on, right? Plus passion. So I have heart condition, passion, <laughs> fitness, and then you have this new brand. So can you talk about how, or maybe it wasn't a passion brand back then? I don't know, but like, can you talk about like how you got into starting beast gear and is there any yeah. similarities yeah. between them? a beast gear and the new brand you're starting. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, let me tell you all. <laughs> so I have, I've been into fitness for a long time, probably since I went to university and 
um, I used to train at CrossFit with my buddies. And one day, probably in about 2012, 13, at the end of a particularly hard training session, somebody said, we beasted it today. And I remember thinking, we beasted it today. Beast, beast, beast gear. That would be a cool name for a brand, fitness brand. And I, I forgot all about it. I parked it somewhere in the back of my brain because I, I, I hadn't lit an entrepreneurial fuse at that point. Early 2016, well, through 2015 and then into early 2016, I was having recurring recurrences of a condition called pericarditis, which is where it's reasonably common in men in their 20s and 30s, like hospitals will see a few cases a year. And usually it's chronic and uh, acute and goes away. Uh, the, the, the sac that the heart sits in gets inflamed. It can become a chronic and, and life-changing condition. So the third time that I got it, the doctor said, right, we're going to throw all the drugs at you, sign you off work for like six months, and you got to stop all your running around like a maniac, stop boxing, stop CrossFit, stop lifting weights, stop running, stop scuba diving while you recover. So I was pretty miserable. And going through my gym gear, miserably thinking, oh, I can't use this right now. But then I was looking at it and thinking, well, I, I could actually make that better. You know, I could, that skipping, I've always thought that that bit's not quite right and good enough. And that's when I had the idea. I remembered this whole beast gear thing. And I had the idea, well, I could create a fitness brand and sell the products into gyms. And then it was while I was developing the first product that I found out about e-commerce. I mean, I knew you could buy stuff online, but I was one of those people that thought when you bought on Amazon, you're buying from Jeff. I didn't know there was third party selling on Amazon. I didn't know the first thing about building a website. I didn't know that there was a platform like Shopify that made it super easy. And it was doing all that learning by doing that research whilst I was had nothing better to do. And my, my wife, then my girlfriend was studying as well. So she encouraged me to take on this project. That was when I realized that e-commerce was the, the way to go. And so that's how I went from heart condition to owning a fitness brand. And I recovered and I got back into training as well. That's freaking wild. <laughs> uh, that's wild, yeah. especially since there's like an amazing uh, uh, happy ending to that, that you were able to keep with the fitness and successfully exit the brand. What do, do you, I mean, thankfully there's not a heart condition, but like what, what similarities, if any, exist between your, your reasons, your motivations for starting B-Skier and your, your newest brand without saying the name? Yeah. So the new brand is in the, the baby um, space. And I prefer to think of it as being in the parent space. Because Beast it's Baby not... is my vote, by the way. I'm sorry. Beast Baby is what I'm going for. <laughs> you know, I thought about that for a couple of minutes, but it's not going to be that. I will say the name. It's not quite right. We're in that limbo period, like you mentioned with Fish Dog. Um, so it, it's a brand of product, products for parents, right? And rather than for babies, babies don't care about the products, parents do. And it is scratching an itch that I had. I had uh, a problem with uh, one of the key products that we use with our daughter. Um, it was a baby carrier, actually, I can say that. And um, we have been spending, I say we because I've partnered with a, with a, a buddy and colleague of mine on this. Uh, we've been spending probably 18 months, at least, maybe more, developing the product. 
by working with the right experts and spending significant money with the right experts to design from scratch a product which solves the, the, the pain points that I came across. And that I think is, is, is key, right? And so the reason it's, it's, you know, going back to the word passion, well, I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about being an active and involved dad and parent and um, being outdoors and carrying our children with us. And to do that, you need the right kit. And you want it to be for the parent rather than some generic flowery thing that parents don't particularly want. And so that's what we're developing. So this came from a need with, with, with your, um, I'm sorry, you said son, yes? It, well, I experienced it originally with my daughter. And now I've been testing my son in the prototype. Um, but it's taken so long to develop that actually it's not going to be ready. He's going to be too big soon. So we'll probably just have to have another kid so that I can model the model the next kid in the, in the final product. I think you need to communicate. I think you need to communicate that with wifey. So she's in the loop. Maybe do not lead with, we need this for the PL. <laughs> yeah. Um, I need to schedule some photo shoots with the, with the, with the, with the baby carrier when it's ready. That is wild. What, what, the baby category, I think, I think you and I would agree on this, is definitely not described as an easy one. Correct. But um, the baby category, or at least for, especially for the kinds of products we're doing, which are, are not cheap to make nor cheap to buy, is dominated by big corporates. And they have all their resources and power but they're not quite so nimble enough to tell the same story that I can. And the pie is so enormous, I don't need a huge portion of that pie. And I don't even like to talk about the analogy of, of, of getting a slice of the pie, because that would make it seem that success is finite. But I believe it's relatively infinite. We, can, we, we create our own value. And I think that the type of people who would want to my pro buy my product would be more interested in supporting an independent organization and would um, vibe with my story, which I'll be telling them as I, as I prepare to launch and then launch the business about how I came across this problem and I solved it and here's the product. So that doesn't really concern me. Help me with some math here so I don't have to do public math. So you sold the first brand in under four years. Yes. And it's been some time between since that exit and now. Mm. So, so when, what year was it when you started uh, Beast Gear? Beast Gear 2016. I, I, I had the idea or I got serious about contacting supply, uh, manufacturers and whatnot in about February. I think I sold my first product to a stranger on the internet in June or July. And I exited Halloween 2019. Ironic Halloween 2019, you exited, and this episode yeah. comes out on Halloween. Yeah, on so October 31st, the anniversary. Yeah, so it's been six years. It's been six years since you started Beast Gear to when to, to say now, and maybe you have another year before you go with product in, into Amazon. Yes. Is, that, is that about right? Well, the, the baby brand, I think we're, yeah, we're nine months to a year probably. Um, but I am also a 50-50 partner in a new boxing brand, which launches in a, in a few weeks. Um, I have less operational input into that business. And then I'm a minority equity partner in a, in a few other brands, which already exist, which I'm kind of mentoring. 
So Hold it's, on, like, it's fun bo- to still bo- boxing, of- like the sport boxing or boxing, like boxes that you put products in and ship them. The sport boxing. Yeah. So okay. I love boxing and beast gear had a line of boxing products, but my non-compete is over. And, uh, so I am involved in, um, in a boxing brand, uh, and, and we're excited to launch that soon. Yeah. I think I, I've done a lot of research on the boxing niche and I think there is a lot of opportunity in yeah. that category. So there really is because more and more people are getting into boxing. There's lots of different angles that you can take. Uh, you don't necessarily have to be a boxing brand that is for people who are trying to, you know, there's so many angles. It can be just about fitness. It can be about taking it seriously and trying to become professional. It can be about the white collar boxing side of things. And then you got all the MMA side of things and all the associated combat sports. And plus, you look at the way it's taken off recently with all these non-boxing influencers getting into boxing, raising the profile of it. It's just a fun niche to be in. Like Logan Paul? Yeah, that guy. <laughs> yeah, Logan Paul. <clears throat> Who, you know what? People people hate on him because he's not a real boxer, but I, I wouldn't want to fight him. Like, he went, pretty good. He went, I think he went 12 rounds with Mayweather. Like, you can't say he can't. Didn't he? Didn't he go like 12 rounds with Floyd Mayweather? Uh, like he didn't get I knocked out. I, I think well, however many rounds. I forget. I forgot. I've forgotten actually. Maybe but it yeah. wasn't 12 rounds. Maybe it was three. I don't know. But like you get in the ring and last one round with May Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. I mean, you box enough. Yeah. Like we could yeah. just call you a he's, boxer. He's good yeah. enough. Yeah, he's good enough. And you know what? He's made more money out of boxing than I have. So who am I to spot talk? You know? S- side note in San Diego, I was in San Diego for a week for traffic and conversion. And they, you know, Logan Paul was one of their featured speakers to come in. Um to, to a few things. Yes, there was a big percentage of people that were almost I guess hating would be the word like, oh, Logan Paul, like, he's not a real one. And I'm like, are you kidding me? He's got one of the biggest YouTube channels in the world. He, he's yeah. part of multiple brands. He was showing prime water. Um, like, yeah, he's a beast. So, yeah. And he was big. My second one was he was big. He was a lot bigger than I thought he was going to be. He was, he was a big dude. Like, yeah, and you could tell working out was like a very working out and diet were like a very big part of his life was being close to him. Yeah. Like, that's what you. And and I think that you have to be passionate about that type. If you're going to live that, which he does, you have to love it. I think. I'm going to have to buy a pair of gloves from you. You have to send me a link so I can buy, because I I want to do a YouTube channel. And on one of the thumbnails, I want to have the gloves and it says knocking out the competition or something. So uh, I'll send you, I'll send you the link. Um, You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to name it, right? I'm going to, I'm going to zig where everyone else zags. I'm going to name the brand. Um, now we, I don't know if we'll be live on Halloween when this comes out, but people can search us by Yako sports, B Y A double K O sports. So by is a, is a mythical, both Chinese and Japanese white tiger and, um, by sports.com. I imagine that the, the website's up and it's by B Y A K K O. Yep. Yep. All right. So. You're, you, you've been current anyway in the consulting business on like what's the latest with launches and how you know a lot of people go about it. So it's not like you're, you've just been in a closet. You're going to get, it's a little different, I feel, with your own brand. So you're going to get, you're going to touch the fire again now with Biaco Sports. I have no doubt that it's going to do amazing. And it's going to be another year, you know, just, I think if you say, I think anytime I think nine months, I just call it a year if it's bringing something to market. So a year, before the baby brand is going to come to market. So what, how do you plan on going about 
that launch? Is it going to be pure Amazon? Are you thinking off Amazon? Like, can you can you talk to me a little bit about that? Sure, certainly can. So we anticipate that a far more significant proportion of sales with the baby brand will be off Amazon and indeed bricks and mortar retail than, for instance, Beast Gear was. I don't know what the breakdown will be yet. Um, we're launching on Kickstarter. Send and me that, by the way. Sorry? Send me that Kickstarter when you can. So I can Yeah, we'll do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when that's ready, I, I absolutely will. And we're we're working with um a really, really great guy. His name is Vance Lee. Um, and he uh I, I came across Vance on Gary Huang's um channel. Um, and then he was on the Seven Figure Seller Summit. Um Vance is a, a serial Kickstarter um, success story who has then helped other people, which is what he's doing now. And we're working with him. He's a, he's a consultant uh, to develop our pre-Kickstarter strategy. And then the idea is that that will give us the best possibility of making our Kickstarter a success. And the reason for running the Kickstarter really is twofold. It is, yes, the money would be very handy, but it's it's creating it's creating that potential energy that stored energy in the business so that when we go live we have this group of people who have feel an affinity towards the brand and what we're trying to do both from a, a point of view of a great quality product that, that performs well that engenders a sense of inclusion for parents but particularly dads but mums too in an active lifestyle, not giving up on your active lifestyle just because you have a kid now. And the environmental side of things as well, because the product is going to be 100% recyclable and made from 100% recycled materials and, and including plastic recovered from the ocean. And so we're building that loyalty towards the brand before we even start, which will get us out of the traps fast on our own website, but then also on Amazon. Now, of course, the Kickstarter, you're buying, you're, you're, you're pl pr placing a pre-order, which we then have to fulfill, but we're getting an email list, which we can then use to promote our new product launches, to uh, encourage our followers to get their friends and family to order from us on Amazon and our website. And of course, lookalike audiences for running our paid marketing campaigns, which will drive people to both our website and marketplaces like Amazon. And Getting a successful Kickstarter will give us the clout to go to retail and say, here's what we have achieved. How do you think this would look in your store? And we think that that will really get us uh, off to a flying start. You're mentioning we with the baby brand. I'm sorry. Is, yeah, I've partnered with my buddy Mark on that. Um, so one of the key lessons I learned from Beast Gear, yes, I built a team. Um, of, of freelancers overseas, uh, fantastic guys. And I still work with several, several of them. Um, but I also learned that uh, being an entrepreneur is, is busy as hell, is often lonely, and you identify your own weaknesses. And you identify not just your weaknesses, but the things that you want to do. And I knew when I started this baby brand that I wanted to be in more of a visionary position working on the brand and the marketing strategy at a higher level, whilst the more nitty gritty day to day tactical implementation of these things needed to be someone that was frankly better at it than I am. And that's Mark. Well, who you or Mark have brick and mortar retail channels, because that's come up a few times, like 
How do you plan no, on approaching we, we, that? We, we, we will for the baby round. That is the plan. So we're actively now putting the, um, putting the cogs into place to ensure that we can get in front of the right people when the time comes. Let me ask you another question, and then I want to be respectful of your time because I could just talk for hours about this. Not sure. What, what um, what feature? What one or two features mm. exist now on, on the Amazon side mm-hmm. that did not exist when you were launching Beast Gear that you're most excited about mm-hmm. when it comes to launching this baby brand? Couple things. Uh. The sheer diversity of ad placements, particularly video. Something that did exist shortly before I sold, but I did not exploit it, was the, uh, the articles and the posts. So, you, you know, there are the services out there that will get you into those almost like featured article sections that come up in search. That's something I didn't make use of, and I, I'm looking forward to using that. Those are, are a big two. Um, and the better protections for brand. I had a significant number of headaches with hijackers of various different types and uh, people ripping off my brand before finally, and this was very rare, I got my brand gated. Um, You know, uh, people, uh, pretty senior people in Seattle finally gated my brand so that the only selling account who could sell my products was mine. And that was tough to get because I, I, I went through some really difficult times with hijackers. So I think that the protections for brand now, Amazon focuses so hard on brand, are much more stringent and seller friendly. No, that's, 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 that's a perfect answer. Like I was thinking of like Amazon Live Video and all this other stuff, but what you just mentioned, the, 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 the articles, they have a different word for it, but that, there's, that's- there's the posts as well. Yeah. And posts, which is like Amazon social media. That's those are huge. Ben, bit of advice that you would give um, new private label sellers, Uh, maybe two bits of advice. One is if somebody obviously had not heard this episode and they already have a private label product um, and another one, maybe uh, for someone that's ready to do this and is in that product selection phase. Okay. Uh, If you already have a brand, take a step back and ask yourself, does your brand look, feel, and behave like your favorite brands? Or are you you treating it too much like like a hustle, like a freelance job, like a thing you do on the internet? Because in order for you to take it to the next level, you need to treat it with the respect that that it deserves, which is to look, feel, and behave like a a real CPG brand. And when it comes to exit time, that will pay dividends because you need to have a a true brand. And for someone starting out that is thinking about product selection, for me, it's, it's less about product selection and it's about people selection. So who are your people? What is something that you are passionate about? That can be a hobby. That can be a profession. You don't even need to be very experienced in it. It could be something, and this is, I think, is a great strategy. And and Carlos, I I think that this is something that you're doing fantastically with Fish Talk, is it could be something that you aspire to be interested in. You're just getting into it. 
and you almost document the whole process as a beginner from that beautiful beginner's mind that's okay too but that's the thing it's not about product selection for me it's about people selection and then creating products to serve those people well said my friend uh, but before letting you uh, get back to family time and, and and on with the rest of your day, something I like to ask all guests on the show is what is your favorite book and why? It is this well-beaten copy of The E-Myth Revisited by Michael E. Gerber. It is an I absolute almost classic. Called it. You almost called it uh, from when from before we hit record. It's, yes. It's an absolute classic. It is. It's about principles and it, it's, it's got to be about the principles. There's some fantastic books out there with the nimble little tactics that you can do and hacks. They're great, but they'll be out of date in a year or two or less. Michael Gerber wrote the original version of this, I think in the late eighties. And I think this version was revised in the early nineties. And I read it like at least twice a year. Here we go. Copyright 1995. Um, it is timeless. I cannot oh, yeah. say enough how much I love this book. I, I can't tell you how often I've repeated the the scene in there about the the baker. You know, the, I think it's a woman that bakes the apple pies or something. And everyone's yeah. like, she makes these amazing apple pies and they encourage her to start her business. And I'll stop there so people can read it. But it, it is timeless. Um, yep. I don't know. I definitely have like a copy or two behind me on the shelf. Uh, I, I lost track of how many times I read it. Uh, after this episode, I, I think... That's going to be the next book. Just, I think it's almost like I, I treat that book sometimes like a palate reset. You know, if you're like testing wine and they give you something else to like reset your, your, your taste buds almost. So you're ready yeah, to accept something yeah. else. So and it's I like an it entrepreneurial palate reset. That's what it is. And it brings us back down to earth as well, because I think sometimes if things are going well as entrepreneurs, we get a bit too big for our boots and we forget sometimes that actually we really need to come back to basics and remind ourselves of what are the foundations that make this whole thing work in the whole, in the first place. And that's what Gerber gets so right in this book. Ben, you're amazing. Uh, best way for somebody to reach out to you uh, for any questions sure. uh, about anything you've talked about yeah. on the show? Email me, ben at benleonard.pro or ben at ecombrokers.co.uk. My social media handles are all Ben Leonard Pro. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm a super chatty guy. So get in touch and I'll be happy to, to help how I can. You're amazing, man. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, Thank I you. Can't wait. I can't wait to have you back on the show to talk about the, the new brand once you're ready to release the new. No, I appreciate it. Thanks,